Welcome to RCS. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. It's cold. And we're, yeah, well, welcome back. <laughs> uh, it only took four hours to pick you up from the airport last night, so that was nice. Um, <laughs> what a mess. Do not go, do not fly anywhere. Don't fly anywhere. Don't fly back from anywhere. Oh if you're, if you're somewhere else listening to this, don't come back. Just drive home. Even if you're in Hawaii, drive home. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, just to give you, I, I went to pick up Dan from the airport last night, and the flight was supposed to be in at 10. They were going to get in early, so I got there at like... 9:30 and like the the it was backed up like all the way down the hill almost down to to I90 or I I5 it was ridiculous and apparently you got to see the inside where everybody was just their flights were being canceled and bags were being thrown everywhere like and every 10 minutes it was flight canceled flight canceled flight canceled and then we sat on the runway for 30 minutes cuz the the gates were backed up from baggage claim from all the flights canceled baggage came claim was which seems up. the opposite it seems like if flights are gonna well i guess there'd be, there would be planes sitting there wouldn't yep. there? yeah, yeah all i guess yeah. That we couldn't get to the gate yeah and so and then we wait for waited for two hours in baggage claim or hour and a half i think it was and they actually removed the flight from the board and nobody knew where the bags were like they just didn't have enough staff oh, lovely yes yeah, so it was it's a mess don't fly anywhere and and you know it, it makes it nice in the fact that you know you're sitting on the runway it, remember the days when you would get in early and you would actually get to a gate like they would just give you another gate yeah but now things are so busy you just can't even it's yeah, ridiculous it so. was a mess yeah. well welcome home uh welcome back to the uh well rain rain i guess rain here don't go anywhere near the pass apparently the pass is totally shut down now yeah if you listen to this uh friday morning you still can't go over the pass. So the earliest release they gave the pass was saturday morning was, that was the earliest you get over the wow. pass. Wow. So. Well, I mean, it's it, obviously all, a lot of the snow and slick stuff has been gotten out of the valley down here and especially up in the plateau. But uh, there's some you had some serious snow up at your house trying to get yeah, into your house. Yeah, about a foot and a half of snow <laughs> fell while I was gone. Yeah. And uh, luckily, the truck obviously made no problem with that. High clearance vehicles were fine, and they did end up plowing the road, so it wasn't too bad. But and it hasn't been it hasn't been snowing since we got back, but it's uh it's wet. It's very very wet. Did the so. truck start right away? Yeah, no oh, problem. Nice, yeah, yeah. There it you gave go. Me, it's funny. I so didn't know this. I had the truck was sitting, of course, and I got a message from Ford that it had been sitting, like I think two weeks. I was the two week mark that I was gone. I got a message on my Ford app saying remote start has been disabled to conserve battery life, and so it disabled the remote functions, the remote monitoring of the vehicle, yeah. except for the alarm. Okay, while I was gone. And so, like, because normally I can monitor the status, I can start it up and everything, and it, it had disabled those to conserve battery life to temp- due to temperature. I mean, I get that. but It was, I, you, it was smart, though. I was like, huh. You'd think it would send you something saying, hey, we're going to disable this in, in, in 12 hours. Just go ahead and remote start it, and then... <laughs> no, no, sorry. It, it yeah. did give me that. It said it will be, re- it will be disabled oh, okay. if the vehicle isn't started. Nice. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool to know. Like, okay, two weeks later, it'll it'll just tell me. Yeah, these apps these days. Like, I mean, I obviously don't have remote start on my Subaru, but, like, it's it's nice to be able to, you know, like... It's funny because I've been working on getting looking at different types of insurance, and it's like trying to find the VIN of your car is a pain in the ass. But in these apps, it has it, and it tells me my mileage, yeah. and it's nice. It's a it's a nice little feature to have. So. Yeah, it's in the sticker of the door or by the windshield. It's stamped everywhere. Yeah, but if I car, don't want to go down there, yeah, while if you I'm don't go down on the there, yeah. <laughs> I usually look at my insurance app because it's usually listed there. But yeah, um, so. yeah. Anyway, we're still brought to you by Avance Carter Automotive Group. Haggerty, let's drive together. And of course, Haggerty Garage and Social, Grios Garage, RCS Ten for that ten percent off. Salvo Design and York Real Estate. Yay. 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 Well, it's been, like I said, it's been a nasty kind of winter. I don't know if it's going to get any better or any worse. <laughs> it usually hits in January, and even it, it snowed last Valentine's Day. So okay. there's still a chance we're going to get more of this. Oh, that's right. It did. Yeah. I was down I was down in Oregon, and it was still snowing. I forgot about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say, speaking of all these slick roads, I got a, a Carter Subaru tip of the week from one of our listeners, Bob, Okay, that is worth sharing. And it's actually a photo. <laughs> I will show it to you. It says, always secure your load. Well, I'm impressed. I'm re- you get, we got to post that because that's yeah, why wow, you talk about this. securing your load. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there's, we've seen a lot of overturned vehicles and ditches. That's been, if you've been anywhere, especially plateau drivers, which are special. Yeah. Um, Sammamish plateau drivers, that is. There's a great Instagram page about them. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see people driving terribly on the Sammamish plateau. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, as we've seen a lot of vehicles tipped over, things like that. We've also seen a lot of trailers jackknife. And of course, the unfortunate, you're just standing by and somebody slides into you because they didn't put on snow tires or winter tires or any kind of tires and they just went for it. There's a photo of a trailer. And it has three motorcycles in the back, all tied down nicely. And that trailer is overturned. <laughs> and the motorcycles have not moved. Yep. And they are strapped down real well. Yep. And everything in there. And I, I, took, I thought this was Photoshop for a while. But no, it's just everything in this trailer is strapped down. And, I, and the reason I know it's not Photoshopped is there's boxes on the side. And there's like a window on the side of the trailer that's like got blinds on it that are all punched down. <laughs> And no, this is just simply... The, that guy saved his insurance company a lot of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of money. And so it's especially important with motorcycles, as we can tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, getting everything strapped down correctly is extremely important, but even more so when it's slick like this, because you will have very quick, sudden movements you didn't want to make uh, is in, as you do evasive maneuvers, especially in the ice. So, And we've said this 100 times before, but you know, check your load. You know, If you're driving a long ways... Stop every hundred miles. The straps, as as much as you tighten them down, they especially when they get wet. Yeah, they get wet. They get loose real quick and they stretch. So yeah, yeah. And and, uh, another another one. I'm just going to do two this week because that one was pretty short and easy. Just just remind people how important it is to check your load. But also, of course, I had to go take a ton of snow off my truck. Yes. It was all uh, basically because it had gotten wet and cold and, you know, wet and frozen, wet and frozen back and forth. I basically just had this ice sheet of snow on top of my truck. Well, that's a good way to take your clear coat off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what I did is luckily I, I fully winterized the house is I just hooked up the hose. Uh, it's not freezing when I did this. If it's freezing, don't do this. <laughs> it was not freezing when I did this. It's about 39 degrees. Okay. So sure enough, I just took the hose out there, sprayed the whole thing off and then just pushed the snow right off. Did you have hot water? No, no. Oh, it, 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 was, no. it was just, it, the, the water was still warmer than the outside. Okay. Right. And so it was a great way to knock down the snow. And I mean, it still took me probably 20 minutes of just rinsing it off. But it was like, okay, I can either get the broom, quite literally the broom, mm-hmm. which if, if nothing else, I mean, it's better to have that than have the snow sliding down your windshield. And then the first time you break and you're suddenly blind and your windshield wipers don't work because there's too heavy snow in there for them to move. But yeah, if you're if you're at home and do not use hot water, please do not use hot water, especially if you have a sunroof. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, <laughs> even I had to make. I was like, "Why?" Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, so it, I just used tap water, which was tap cold. It wasn't bad, and uh, sure enough, it just uh, hosed it right off. Came right off, and you're good to go, huh? Yep. And okay. Truck ended up pretty clean. <laughs> well, that's nice. I mean, yeah. that's what you want. I was laughing. I was following. Have you ever watched what is it? The Diesel Brothers. Oh on, yeah. Uh, okay, so. Heavy D, the guy that owns pretty much, has his own YouTube channel now, which, by the way, is great because he, it's it's just like a giant kid playing with toys. But mm-hmm. he has a cabin he goes up to in the for, in the forest uh, during Christmas, and he flew his helicopter up there, and then it sat for three days, so it goes covered with ice. And in his, lace, his latest video, he's up there, and this is something I've never seen before or known, even though I worked in the area and in the aviation, aviation industry. industry a little bit, trying to get a helicopter off the ground when when there's ice frozen to the blades and you don't have you know expansion <laughs> blades. It was kind of I mean he literally had a blowtorch and it was it was pretty <laughs> kind of a cool episode to watch. But uh, yeah, kind of fun. 
That's funny. Yeah. Well, let's take our first break real quick. Haggerty just released their 22 bull market list, and we want to kind of go through the cars and kind of talk about what we think about them and, you know, if, if we think they're right or we think they're wrong. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting ones on here. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be right back. We spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens, laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. And we're back. Just like that. It's like Dan pushed the button and pushed the button again. So, yeah. It's good fingers. <laughs> so, if you don't know, uh, every year Haggerty releases their 22. Are their, their year long year? How do I say it? Annual. Annual. That's the word. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not used to having you in the same room. I'm a little awestruck. Uh, list and then this is the the list the ten collector cars primed to take off this year. And basically they they there's it's a if you go search on the internet you'll be able to find the same article. It's pretty easy to do. But it's basically ten articles. Uh, and in each article we're going to talk about each car. They're going to tell you what it was new, how it's appreciated, what's worth now, which generation is using them and buying them and and spending their money on them and kind of uh, getting an inside market on that. Yeah, and we talked about this last year. It's sort of the general rule of appreciation is what was the car you thought was really cool as a kid and can finally afford to buy now? And typically that age range is 35 to 50, no matter what generation you are. That's typically when you're you're peaking on your money as you're starting to peak in your mid-30s and then in your 40s, you feel young enough to still use it and have fun with it and you're kind of done spending it in your 50s and 60s is where you start to slow down on your spending. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that. No. Right, yeah, 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 so am I. <laughs> so this sort of makes sense. Um, this is, the first one they listed kind of took me by surprise only because the market on Ferraris is always going up, but the market on the Dinos has been going up forever. Yeah, but that's two separate arguments because the Dino is not a Ferrari. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have a Ferrari name on it anywhere. <laughs> There's no Ferrari badges on it, even though Enzo Ferrari named it after his son, Dino. That was kind of the na- the idea behind it. But it's a, a V6, mid-mounted. The, they're specifically talking about the late model Dino of the Dino, as you know it, I should say. The 60, uh, 69 to 74, 246, not the 206. And at the time, it's funny. These, these got a bad rap for two things. One, people said they're not really Ferraris, even though they were made by Ferrari. They just weren't labeled Ferraris. And That's a few people off saying that too, Dan. Jeez, yeah, no. right? Yeah. <laughs> and they were a V6 with a five-speed. I mean, the five-speed, normal, but it's a transaxle, and Ferrari was known to have V8s and V12s. So motor's in the wrong place. Motor's too small. Car's not fast enough. But the car's beautiful. It's always been beautiful. I think it's uh, you know it's still Ferrari inside and, inside and out, minus the badges. Sure. And so we have seen these. I mean, man, I remember when I was a kid... Dinos were frowned upon and they were new enough to where they were kind of in that depreciation slump of Ferraris. So you could pick these things up for less than 50,000 at one point. Absolutely. Okay. And now they're 350 to 400. Uh, well, I mean, and everybody's sort of always complained about the power. Right. It, about the transmission, the power. I mean, there's only one person I know, David Lee, who went. He, put, I think, he put like a, a Monza 3.6 Evo in the in his Dino. It's now a million dollar Dino. So yeah, <laughs> but um, it, it, this is an interesting car in the fact that you know it, it it's as, it's very beautiful. I mean, it yeah, it has all the styling. Car. It has all the styling of a Ferrari. You have your mid engine. There's just something about it, especially like when you get the. I don't think they weren't all like target tops, were they? 
Some no. of them were hard tops. Yeah, yeah, only about a third of them. I love the, the target tops, and I mean, it's it's funny because you still get you still get the really cool like classic you know leather seats that Ferrari put in everything. You've got the gated shifter. You've got the classic Ferrari. Di- I mean, you you really would look all over this car for a Ferrari symbol. It, it's as close to a Ferrari as you can get, obviously. Yeah, and that pedal box is still cranked off to the right too. Really, really <laughs> tiny pedal. Really, box. really tiny. But yeah, small Italian feet. Yeah, so. I love those curves on the. The fenders and on the hips of that car, they just look really good. I, I'm not surprised to see these going up in value. Like I said, any Ferrari you buy and hang on to long enough is going to go up in value. Even if you have a Mondial, which is typically the you know the Turner nose up Ferrari, it's those are still coming back into demand because we've seen Radwood come back. Mm-hmm. And as 80s go up, we've seen 308 prices start to climb. Uh, I think I think that's going to be. If I had to make one prediction for this bull market, it's going to be the 308. Five years from now is going to do this same thing. Where there's there's enough of them that were trash. The three, it was the 308, the Magnum PI. Magnum PI car. Because so it it already had a little bit of an upswing. Yep, yeah. it's it's already had its upswing, but it hasn't had its massive upswing. Sure. That all Ferraris eventually do, and I think that's going to be one of the big ones. That if you want to get on the Ferrari market, you're not going to get out of Ferrari maintenance costs just yeah. <laughs> in any Ferrari. But I think the 308 we're going to see really really peak up in the next five to ten years. It amazes me, though, because, like, if you, and we'll, we'll post this article, but that first picture of the Dino where it's driving away and you look at that rear, I think it's the B-pillar kind of by, mm-hmm. behind the, you know, there's so many things that you can see in modern Ferraris today. Like, there, there's just that that kind of, the, there's a lot of the louvers and the way that the, the rear hunches go over the rear wheels is very much like the new, what, the, the, F, uh, the TDF and things like that. So, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful car. Yeah. And I think it always will be. They're, they're talking about the fact that the main buyers right now are the boomers and then the Gen X, which is interesting to me. Because I, well, I just... I think, it's the, I think it's the value, for one. I mean, it's more of an investment. Yeah, I mean, just there's just not a lot of people that are willing to drop three hundred and fifty dollars to $400,000 for a car or who have it. And most people who have it are boomers and late Gen X. <laughs> I just... If, if, if I'm going to spend three hundred, I mean, Haggerty's value what is early it? Three, Gen X, I mean. early uh, Haggerty what is what 360 to 400 uh, there's a lot better cars I think I would put in my garage before I put a Dino in there yeah it's just I love the car but it, the value isn't there for me personally it's nothing not saying anything about the car it's just not one I gravitate toward but it yeah. was like I said it was before my time though as a kid so that mm. might have something to do with it uh, it's funny listening looking at the quotes so they have percentage of quotes by generation is what Haggerty reports on really cool factoid actually yeah pre-boomer 15 percent boomer 54 percent Gen X 30 percent Millennial, 1%. Post-millennial, 0%. So, not surprising there. The young tech money is not into it. So I just think I would put, I would put my money into a vintage Porsche before I put it into a Dino. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it, again, it amazes me. And, and I know this was a lot of money back then, and, and it's still a lot of money today, but the fact that it was new, it was fourteen five, <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's yeah. just, like, amazing it's cheap for a Ferrari, which is expensive at the time for any I'm car. Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The next one, this one actually did surprise me because I don't see these. This was not on my radar as anything that was in demand. They're very cool cars. I was looking at them, but I have not seen or heard anybody talk about the 66 to 67 Pontiac GTO in a long time. The last time somebody them. talked about it was when everybody got pissed when they, they ripped one up and turned it into the car for X. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. a convertible. And, That's I mean, right. But I always think of this car as, as, as a much later generation, our father's generation. It's funny because I have an exact view of it because they're always sitting in somebody's garage, probably Midwest. They're on a lift, and they've got a car com- cover on them that doesn't fit the car, that wasn't meant for the car. Everybody's got a GTO. Everybody that has one doesn't have a car cover that fits it. And this is obvious. And it's obvious that the photo they're showing it is in that. It's, it's like a teal. Yeah, it's all I can think. describe as like a teal blue. It's really pretty. And I, and I told Dan this while we were talking. I think if I was looking at a GTO, and I love GTOs, I think they're wonderful cars. 
I would get a hard top. I think mm-hmm. I'd want a hard top. I, and I, when I think muscle cars, I always think the 69 Charger. I would think the Lincoln Continental with suicide doors. And I wanted that long before that stupid show had one. Um, <laughs> Entourage or whatever it is. But this is kind of Americana. This is just so, so cool. And it's, I mean, it's got some really great history as far as who put it, who put it, who, who designed it, and why it's named that. Yeah, so John DeLorean uh, designed the car and kind of made it happen. He didn't design; he led the project, I should say. He was an engineer on the project, the lead engineer. Yeah, back, be- back when he had a career. Yeah, yeah, before cocaine. <laughs> yeah, uh, <back laughs> and long the, before cocaine. And the, and the DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, he'd uh, launched the GTO, and GTO is a nod to yes, Ferrari. It's a nod to Ferrari to GTO, and the GTO trim was bigger brakes, better suspension, and of course the three eighty nine uh, cubic inch engine. Which was kind of what set the stage for the big engine car. And that is a big engine, but you look at it in the engine bay of a GTO and it looks small. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so everybody thinks of, when I think of GTO, I can't help but think of the, the 69 Judge. Sure. Which is the, you know, the definitive GTO. But still, this is the one starting. I think it's a beautiful car. I'm just surprised to see it kind of coming around. Um, Haggerty showed us the quotes, a change in quotes from 2021, a drop in quotes. It's still the boomers that are buying them, let's be clear, or, or insuring them. But 7% decrease in quotes to boomers, a 6% increase to millennials, and a 2% increase to Gen X. It's interesting to see millennials showing the interest in this car. Yeah, because this is the opposite of what most millennials want as far as saving the environment. (laughs) Yeah, this is not an environmentally friendly (laughs) car, to say the least. It's a very cool car, but uh, yeah, interesting to see the GTO. And again, in 19, what is it, 60, what what year is it, 60, uh, what do they say, in 66, 67, you could pick this car up brand new for (laughs) $3,700. You can't even get a used Civic for $3,700 these days, so. That shows you how expensive the Dino was at the time. No, it it really does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny because you, you'll be in these, these, we'll call them car cafes and stuff like that. And if you're in the bathroom or something, there's always the old school magazine articles and things like that. And you're like, pick up a new Buick for $1,200. And I'm like, good <laughs> God. <laughs> yep. Uh, next one on the list is zero surprise to me at all. This really? One, this one, zero surprise. This, that is the 92 to 95 Porsche 968. That's not the one he pushed off the, the, the pill, the, the, uh, in risky business, right? He, what did he have in that? that 928. Was a, that was a 928. Yeah. Okay. So it went right. much earlier than this. Nine, uh, yeah, this is, this is the 968 didn't come out until 92 after the 944. Risky business was 80, early 80s. I guess I could, I probably could have figured that out by looking <laughs> at the year of this. Yeah, thanks. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so again, I say no surprise here because I've seen 944 values go nuts. And so this is this the, the last of that generation. So then you had the 924, you had the 944, and you had the 968. And you had different trims in there too, GTs, turbos, RSs, things like that. And a 968, I know of a 968 uh, CS and an RS in the area, actually, real ones. There's a fake one that rolls around a CS, but I know of real ones that are around here too that have been imported, which is cool to see. There's something about these front-engine Porsches that is just mm-hmm. very attractive to me. Especially when you look at you know the classic Porsches and then the, then the new modern Porsches like you know the GT3 and all of that and the mid engines. But this, there's just something about this that's so unique and kind of interesting. The cockpits have always been very interesting to me and very comfortable. And I mean, it's a, I've driven a couple of them. Um, 
and I, again, I've said this since the beat we started this, Porsche and their numbers and things like that have always uh, <laughs> gone by me. I couldn't tell you what car I drove. It was a 928, 968. But a, um, it, there's, there's a certain beauty to these cars, and uh, they're really – I feel like a car like this you're going to buy, you're going to drive. I think that would yeah. be the fun thing. You'd take it out. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of the pop-up headlights. I mean, I get why you need it, or you'd be, you know – illuminating the sky in front of you but um <laughs> in this car yeah it's very yeah. cross between 944 and 928 and it shows but uh in spite of it's not very much horsepower none of the none of the nine series nine front engine 944 924 968 to me none of them had enough power even the 944 turbo the 89 which was pretty quick and so is this with the zero to 60 of 5.9 but these cars always feel like they should have had more power to me like uh, i mean which this was a lot for the time you got to think how like how, much, how big of a deal it was when the Supra came out with 300 horsepower, and that was insane at the time. And now you're like, your mom's Accord has more horsepower than that. Well, the car driver in 93 got it at, what, uh, 0 to 16, 5.9 yeah, seconds. Yeah, 5.9 seconds. So Your minivan does that now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, one of these with a turbo kit was always something what I always wanted, but being a big 944 fan, I always wanted one of these. But seeing the popularity of 944s go skyrocket, these didn't have a huge change in value, like a lot of them. Uh, these did. Let's see here. They price when new thirty nine eight fifty. Haggerty value. Haggerty calls it a number two value, which means excellent but not perfect. Not like Concours off the showroom. So this is what like the ideal one you would find in the market. These are selling from thirty eight to fifty one five, which is very affordable. Which I think has helped driving their market. These are still obtainable and somewhat rare. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, they're like one of the, the lows they talk about is low production number, and this is a big one: is the pricey Porsche parts. Oh, Trying yeah. to find replacement parts or anything for these cars is tough. And much like the 944, uh, if you need a clutch job, it's like I think 23 hours is book time for one of those, <sighs> and everything from the engine back comes out, including the fuel tank and the rear shocks. Do it at home. That way, when you totally. take it to a mechanic, they, they can put it on YouTube for you know customer <laughs> states. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, Gen X and Millennials are the ones picking these up. Again, no surprise. Uh, I think that fits the cool no, it's car. Gen X and Boomers, isn't it? Uh, boomers are doing the quotes. Oh, the quotes. Yeah, yeah. sorry, you're right. Yeah, if I'm looking at the. Yeah, if I look at the right one, you're right. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's the, the graph's a little misleading until you read it here. But uh, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Like I said, this was a cool car when I was a kid, so it doesn't surprise me that Gen X and we are on the very tail end of Gen X is looking at one of these and thinking, "Yep, this would be cool to have again." Be a fun car to drive around. They are fun. They handle amazing. Like, they're yeah. really, really great handling cars. So, we'll give them I feel them like that. if you could find one that was already kind of beat up, you know, make it into a nice little you know, weekend racer. Again, Porsche parts. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that you, yeah. you got it. You, you know, sell the interior for parts. And, you know. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Some of these cars, so it used to be back in the day, you found something that needed some mechanical work because you could do the work yourself, and then you could fix it up. Now... <laughs> It's cheaper to find something that needs often needs repairable body work. Yeah. As long as it's not rusted really bad, which these do tend to rust behind the uh, behind the rear wheels. They have like a they call it like a smuggler's pocket back there. We used to fill them with ice and beer, and they would rust out. See, they rusted. That's weird. <laughs> well, they were had this hollow <laughs> pocket that just like absorbed collected moisture. And you put water and ice in oh, it. Oh no, That's... I, I linexed it. Huh. <laughs> Mine never rusted. My car is in enough. great condition. Okay, yeah. Thanks it's to being, Jeff Miller. It's being held together by Ryan. Yeah, no, yeah it's okay. great. So, okay. But yeah, look out for that. But And look out for clutches and timing belts. Again, timing belts on these things are a big deal too. When these go bad, you don't want that. Hmm. Interesting. So, anyway. 
Uh, the next one is one that I have been a lover of for oh, yeah. years. I've always wanted to own one, but I've also know I've owned enough British cars that I know it's not a good idea. The eighty-three to ninety-seven Land Rover Defender, and that is a really big spread, and it's really hard to tell these cars. <laughs> like literally, the fact that Land Rover oh, did not change that car, and the point where you will see cars that are like mid nineties, where they will put the the new fascia of like a, a modern two thousand something Defender on it because it fits. Um, I love these cars. Uh, the first time I ever saw one of these cars, of all things, my sensei. I, growing up, I took karate my whole life. Well, my, my whole young life. And my sensei, who was this traditional Japanese black belt, drove a Defender. And it was a left-hand drive Defender. It was really cool. Um, I just think they're really cool. The reliability is my biggest thing, which is funny because they were built to drive across the, Alaska, uh, the uh, African Safari, which is the last place you want to break down. But yeah. It's such a cool car, and they're even looking at the turbo model here, which is, again, you've got to look at this article, because I was telling Dan, this intake tube for the turbo is definitely like a, something off of your uh, your washing machine. It looks like a dryer. heater duct. It's a heater duct, but yeah, which was the not, smallest turbo I've ever seen in my life. That wasn't actually that uncommon to see no. in 80s and early, even mid-90s turbo cars as these like dryer duct. They had a special super high-temp plastic full mixable tube, and that was before it was really easy and popular to weld aluminum into proper intakes, but it's kind of funny. They've never been cheap. I mean, brand new, they were $27,000 in 1990, a 91 uh, Defender 90, which is insane to me. I remember when Land Rover really kind of came to America and you had the, everybody was driving the uh, what are the, the discoveries, the, the first the first gen discoveries that came to America. And then if you really had money, you had one of these. Like this was like the ultimate. In fact, I think the first time I ever saw one in a movie was in um, She's All That or whatever. He drove a yellow. Yeah. 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 I remember that. It's yeah. amazing the amount of movies that can wow. take a car and put it. Yeah. He, he, Freddie Prince Jr. drove he a yellow, yellow Defender. Yeah. Defender. Yeah. yeah. And it ran, ran, which was weird. <laughs> That's funny. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've ever driven one of these, and everybody loves the look of one of these things, but if you've ever driven one of these, one thing <laughs> comes back to everybody. If they run, uh, which the diesel in these is extremely reliable, I'll give it that. Nothing else on the car is at all. But they're slow. They're slow, and then there's Defender slow. And yeah, they can get about 25 miles to the gallon. They will probably never make it above 60 going up the pass, and they're pretty terrible. I'm laughing because under this, and you will see the article when you pull it up, the highs and lows, they talk about the good and the bad. The highs are, this truck, Marlon Perkins drove while netting giraffes. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, it's cool and likely always to be cool. Plenty of parts and uh, club support, which is true. Yeah. Lots of parts. It's British. It's going to have Lucas wiring. It's going to suck. Things are going to catch on fire. They're, they don't, for as much as they want you to take them off-road, they're not going to do well with water. <laughs> they no. leak. They rust. They leak um, a lot. These things really leak. Like, they rain. You're getting wet. I don't want on a heartbeat. You, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolute absolutely. Heartbeat. Uh, a heartbeat. I Always mean, cool. It's tons of torque. It's fun. I mean, the blue one they, they're looking in here has the classic. In fact, they brought it back with the new Defender where the hood has diamond or diamond plating on it where you know because these cars were meant to be used and stepped on and, and you know you're supposed to stand on your hood so that the cheetah doesn't eat you right <laughs> so, yeah or you're netting giraffes <laughs> it's not a phrase i never thought i'd say 66 <laughs> percent yeah. of uh, quotes are going to gen xers and uh, most importantly though these have gone up in value about 40 according to Haggerty, 47 percent since 2016 so uh if you want one of these at all you need just need to buy one now <laughs> Because you're not yeah. going to get one later unless you're making really good money. I, again, I wouldn't, I would resto mod one, but I wouldn't buy a stock one. If I was going to do something like this, I think I would go after uh, the International Scout 2. Yep. 
Titans. Or yeah, I was, I was just thinking that a Bronco or a Scout two would be my first choice yeah. of these because I'm going to have to mod it to hell and back to make it reliable anyway. Yeah. I'm going to do something a little more unique. I mean, Scout two is. But you got to be money. careful with the new Land Rovers and Range Rovers because if you get too much water, you will hydrolock the engine. That's true. And then you end up with a new Chevy engine. <laughs> Hypothetically, of course. Hypothetically. Yeah. Don't let other people drive your uh, <laughs> your Land Rover. <laughs> and you know who I'm talking down. to. No, she's not going to live that down. No. So, yeah. She, if, she, if she broke her own Bronco, it'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the next one, I know very little about this car. I mean, I know it because my dad's fraternity brother used to drive one of these and would, would come to Cougar games and he would come from Seattle over to Pullman every Saturday. So, um, and he was a big dude, which surprised me that he fits in this. So, yeah, so that's the, yeah, I'm surprised you fit in this the too. 1979 to 85 Mazda RX-7. Yep, and that is the first gen RX-7 to those of you listening. The little super, super aerodynamic nose shape, like little cone nose, very basic design. Cool little car, very Japanese. I mean, you've owned, you've lived, you've owned a car in the RX-7 family, so. Yeah, it was the single most unreliable Car I've ever so owned, weird. and one of my Rotary favorite being cars. Un- unreliable. That's just so. Well, the thing is with the rotaries is, especially these. These can be a lot more reliable because there's a lot less going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the old 12A motors, a little 1.2 liter, 1.15 liter, really, um, which is like the whole motor. If you take off everything around it, is less than the size of a milk crate. It's tiny, and 100 horsepower, lightweight car. I mean, they sold a ton of them. 50-50 weight ratio. These things handle pretty well. I actually liked these when I was a kid. I just think I liked early, I liked the 80s Japanese cars a lot. And even into the 90s, really. I love the fact that the twin rotor was, was judged in cc's. It wasn't even horsepower. It was 1,146 cc's. <laughs> that tells you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I mean, these things were early on. They were pretty cool cars. Uh, limited slip, four-wheel disc brakes. I mean, power windows. They had leather seats, cruise control. I mean, they had, they had a lot. Like, they were nice little cars. But a lot the, mar- the American market really never got the rotary engine and how we were supposed to work it and you had that oil to them they burned oil like not 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 by flaw like that's how they run they run more like a two cycle and as far as maintenance goes because you have to add oil to it and a lot of people didn't a lot of people didn't so they would talked about that yeah Yeah. they'd burn up all the time um again with the with the rise of radwood and 80s cars this doesn't surprise me because so many of these got junked for their engines going bad, that there's very few of them on the road. And when you do see them, they're either total piles of junk that are rusting or they're pretty much perfect. And you don't see pretty much perfect more than, you know, once a year. In the Hannity article? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Lowe's. I'm going to start with the Lowe's because this is right on. Lowe's, prone to rust, goes through oil and fuel. Not a lot of metal between you and other cars. Don't crash it. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, but the highs are totally true as well. Super high revving, uncompromised handling. These things handled like a dream. Great driving position. All RX-7s, no matter what year you have, are really comfortable cars. I'm probably at the high for, like, can fit in one. I'm six feet tall, or six one, and I'm barely touching the roof in my third gen. I didn't, I didn't, but I had, like, half an inch between me and the roof. It'd be tough if you were wearing a helmet. Yeah, and I had an, uh, an R1, so I didn't have a sunroof, which I was really glad. I didn't fit in the sunroof cars very well. And did they have a lower roof line with the sunroof? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, which a lot of Japanese cars did actually, a lot of cars in general do. What was the, was that a, the one, obviously the Vin Diesel car, was that an R1? Uh, I didn't, I don't remember if that car had a sunroof on it or not. And I didn't see if it had a rear wiper. So I think it was. Okay. Yeah. Well, it had the veil, so I get they would have taken it off anyway. So yeah. Again, so many, <laughs> right. again, yeah, it's hard cars, to movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they are really simple to work on. And as long as you are just a freak about maintenance, these things are 
relatively reliable. So keep that in mind if you're looking for one. But I mean, these, they're also really hard to find people to work on them. There was a couple of rotary shops around here, which were terrible and went out of business. And there's a couple of good ones. And you'll know real quick by going on to any RX-7 community. Thank God for the forums. Because the ones who have like earned their reputation have earned it well. And they can tell you, but because these things are super simple to work on, you can bring it in anybody and they'll give you like, yep, here's your checklist out the door you go and it's going to be cheap. Yeah. Uh, not because the parts are cheap, but because it's, gonna be, it's just super easy to inspect these cars. And if you have any real questions, we'll give you Rob Dom's home phone number and right? you can just call him. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's got, he's got extra parts slaying around somewhere. Yep. So, so yeah. these things have gone through the roof in value though. Up, uh, how are you saying? Up 136% since 2016. And that still equates to a sub $22,000 excellent condition car. So that's a great thing to buy right now. I, I totally agree with this. I probably, we're going to see the same thing with Z cars, which have already started to go up, but 280s, 260s, 270s, and 280s. But I think the 280 is. I've always got those confused with the RX-7s, the, the yeah. Datsun, the 280Zs. They all look kind of similar at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So RX-7s, get one yeah. when we can. And these are spread across the board. Uh, this is this is a fun one, too. These are going to, why you're going to see these going up in value so much is because how many people are getting quotes on them. 29% Boomer, 32% Gen X, 22% Millennial, and even 14% post-Millennial. It's because they're affordable across the board, and they're just known as cool little cars that are quirky and different, and people like that. Yeah. Uh, the next one, I, I've i always been a BMW guy, but I think I would own this car in a heartbeat, let alone having this car in a convertible. And that is the 1963-67 to 67 Mercedes-Benz 230 SL. Uh, one of the, I mean, not, not the original SLs, but this is such a classic car. It's just got such a long, narrow, open front end and a really high glass. And it just... It's a car where you want to have white wall tires with matching hubcaps to the, the car's paint color. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a cool car. Um, it, it just it seems like something that you would see, you know, parked outside a, a you know, Cary Grant's house in, in Hollywood, California, kind of thing. Something where, you know, that somebody would use to take to the store. Um, obviously, everybody knows the 300 SL. I mean, that's just an iconic car. But this was just something that was so different. It's so pretty. Um, they're hard to find. Uh, the one that, that Haggerty came up with obviously is, I think it's a four speed. Uh, it has this, you know, baseball leather interior. It has this classic Mercedes interior, uh, dash and all that. It's just such a cool car. Yep. Good little straight six in it. They're, these are the known as the, you know, this is where Mercedes got their really reliable reputation is these, these cars that started with these. I mean, Mercedes have always been relatively reliable across the board up until they got really electronic, but uh, these are these are just great little cars, and man, that classic styling, just beautiful. It's just a gorgeous car. Yeah, it just it screams class, and yeah. you know they're not crazy expensive as far as cars are going these days. Eighty thousand to one hundred and ten thousand for excellent examples, which in if you're going for a '60s classic that will probably just keep kind of gaining in value and never really slump until the next recession, which everything will. But I think it'll, this will be one of those that comes back pretty quick from that. So. Yeah, and and like Haggerty says, more cruiser than sports car, which I 100% agree. This is something you want to be cruising down 101 or Mulholland Drive, slow. Um, yeah, know, it's, it's going to be hard to find the the stick shifts, the sh- stick shift cars, but uh, would be a total fun car to have in a collection. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the next one also not surprising on this list, and I wish I could find this example because yeah. of course Haggerty shows like the gleamy example, but 75 to 93. Talk about a year spread. Volvo 245. It's funny because the the example car they have is out of New York, which I would think there's this is this is a turbo car, um, and you would think with the 
you know, the rust and, or the, the salts and stuff on the road, a car like this wouldn't survive. But, you know, Volvo, I remember growing up, everybody, the people that went to my Catholic school and had Volvos, they, they had the rear-facing seats, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody, yep. And every kid wanted to sit in that seat. I mean, now thinking about it, I'm like, God, that was the worst place to sit as a child until somebody rear-ends you, but you get glass in your face. But this, the Volvos are just such a classic car. There's, I mean, they're beyond safe. Um, they have, they have been, they're no, they were, I think they're the number one station wagon that I knew about before I knew about Subarus and things like that. Uh, they're just somewhat of a, a fun car. I mean, it's not necessarily, I shouldn't say fun car. It was always the car that you knew your your mom, your mom owned a Volvo and it would get yep. you wherever you wanted to go safely. It would get you there. You know, she wouldn't have to fill up too much. Um, you know, the interiors were, I mean, Swedish and you could beat the crap out of them and they, they didn't, uh, they didn't really go to hell. So, yeah. Yeah. I will say this, these came into vogue. Uh, I don't know what, prompted the hipsters to love these so much but it was really the hipster movement which which we should mention here because that really is what bought these um and it's millennials and post-millennials that are really seeing the surge in these and they're cool but they're boxy i think that was even a tagline for the car and for me the is it the the tr5 the turbo wagon they raced in the dtm series i believe so i think it's the tr5 Uh, these have always been cool because it was just cool to see volvo actually having some involvement in motorsports which kind of was a, a weird thing to say about volvo that said, if you are getting into you want a cool car and these, you can still have these for relatively cheap money. I'm not going to say cheap, cheap. I think the the really good ones are still going because of the demand between 15 and 25. So this might be tempting as a first car to have and to work on. This is still Swedish and Swedish parts are not cheap parts because they come from Sweden. And what? <laughs> Volvos are not, I'm not going to say they're like BMW expensive but they are, and because these have such a wide spread in years, you're going to feel like, you know, you're going to find parts that are going to fit, you know, 80 to 90. That's a 10-year span, so there's plenty of parts available, and there's a ton of these around. But um, heater fans, uh, wiring harnesses, these things have their quirks. So I've seen, I know this firsthand because I've seen people like write blogs about these. I've, I actually looked for one for fun because a long time ago, because I thought this would have made a cool project with like to put a surfboard on top or my skateboard oh, or something. Of course, it, yeah. just, it would just look cool, right? Yeah, I'm with you. And I was just like, nah, there's there's a lot that can go wrong with these. <laughs> and they're not unreliable because they're Volvos, but they are not cheap to own overall, I have found. You know, it's funny because when I think about iconic Volvos, the one that comes to mind is Paul Newman's, uh, the 960 wagon that he put a 380 horsepower Ford racing V8 in. Yes. And then he put a Kenner Bell supercharger on and he didn't tell anybody. And he, the exterior was totally, <laughs> absolutely like he didn't tint the windows. It was red. It's a famous Volvo. But um, they're fun cars. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a car that I feel like you could own and really, you know, drive around from time to time. It'd be a fun, especially around here, be great in the weather. Yeah, again, rear-facing seats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can get, if you can find yourself a late '80s one, you're pretty safe. And Absolutely, not quite as cool because it's a little different design layout, but still, they're fun and they make a great sleeper. Like you were saying, they're easy. There's, I've seen a couple of them. There's kits you can buy to LS swap these really easy. Yeah, and in most cases, everybody's. <laughs> I think for some people out there who don't know or just hate V8s and think they're awful. LS V8s typically get better mileage than almost everything you put them in. <laughs> They're actually really efficient motors uh, for a, for a large V8. And even in a car like this, which got, I think, I think these things got like mid-20s miles to the gallon, yeah. you get about the same. And you 
have another like, 200 and reliability. Of torque. Yeah. Yeah. And these are, these are bulletproof reliable as far as motors go. Um, it's just the little, the little things you've got to worry about on these cars, especially rust. So watch out yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, next the next one. the next one, uh, if you were a child of yeah. the 80s or 70s, is the 65 to 70 Cadillac uh, DeVille. Um, obviously, I mean, you, you know me. The first one I'll ever talk about is the white on white with horns on the hood, uh, Boss Hogs, uh, Cadillac DeVille, and Dukes of Hazard. Um, this is a car I would own today. Um, oh, yeah. It would be, I don't know where I would park it um, <laughs> because I think it's, right. I forgot how long this car is. I don't know if it says, but it is, it's lo- as one of the longest cars you'll get out there. I mean, the classic, I mean, the 60s and 70s Cadillacs were just so cool. It's 19 feet long. It's 19 feet long. <laughs> um, I've always been a fan of the classic Cadillacs. And again, uh, you know, you think about Ecto-1 from the Ghostbusters. You think about Boss Hogg. These cars, would I would always love to have one of these cars just to cruise. I mean, it's an, it's an engine bay where if it's raining, I think you can climb in and just close the hood and work on the engine wherever you need to be. Um, they are insanely cool cars. Um, if you can find them without rust, it's it's tough. But um, this is something that's been on my list for a long time. Yeah, me too. Um, it, you talk about uh, it. Uh, it's it's got a twenty. Does it really have a twenty six gallon tank? Yep, twenty six gallon tank. <laughs> but it's got a four twenty nine V eight. I understand. So this car, brand new, was fifty six hundred dollars in nineteen sixty seven. So that's a lot back then. Which is which is a, a lot. But I mean. It's such an iconic car. When you think of Cadillac, you think of America, you think of Elvis, you think of, you know, just cruising to the to the Shake Shack or whatever it is these days, and or those days, I should say. But um, I, I'm so in love with this car. The one they have is in this beautiful cherry red, and it's just, and it's got that, and I don't know how you, what you call it, basically where the, the rear wheels tuck into the fenders. Um, yeah, they've got the... the the rear wheel covers on the side for aerodynamics. Yeah, it helps the aerodynamics with this car. That's that's really what the issue is. Um, it's got a trunk big enough to put, I mean, any collection of mobster bodies in. Uh, it's just such a cool car. Very similar front end to the the GTO of the time as well. Tempest mm-hmm. GTO front end with the twin stack headlights there. This just I, looks so much bigger. Yeah, it's way bigger. <laughs> it's I, just such a cool car. It, yeah, endlessly cool car. Like you said, this is a cruiser. I mean... Again, if you find one that needs a little love, primed for an LS swap, oh, yeah. where you would actually probably triple your mileage yeah. in one of these. Oh, it's just so much fun. I would, I would love to have this. It's just, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm LS swap everything. Two and, this and a is half this. tons is what it was. It's 19 <laughs> feet long. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. One year trim bits are hard to find. That is, uh, that is true as well. So, yeah. Big Gen X boom car. Millennials are getting on these too. Even post millennials, nineteen percent, three percent. I think. Uh, I think we can. We should. Even if people indirectly don't know it, we saw a surge in these cars due to Entourage in the oh the yeah. Lincoln. Well, and another thing, and they brought it up in the lows, and I didn't think about this. Cadillac changed the models every year. Every year, yeah. And so you're trying to find trim bits for a car that was. It's hard to find things like that, which is tough. So, I mean, if you ever, if you don't know what it's like, listen to uh, Johnny Cash's song about a Cadillac. The, so right, yeah, six fifty seven, yeah. Next one on the list, ton of fun. Always wanted one as a kid. Still want one now as a fourth vehicle. <laughs> well, you could put this in the back of the Raptor, so it'd be easy. Yeah, or yeah. in the back of that Cadillac. Yeah. And that is the 85 to 95 Suzuki Samurai, which <laughs> I love. I have to talk about their first line of this article is perfect. I got to find the writer on this. Uh, 
like Baby Yoda or a basket full of kittens, some things are just cute as hell. <laughs> was that a Suzuki Samurai when we were up off of Tokel that time? We were bringing those kids down, and you were you were literally going, we were going head down, you had it in reverse, and that guy had a, he was just going into the ditch and just Yeah, driving. no, that was, um, oh, was what it is Russian? It? No. No, 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 it's... It looked like a samurai to me, but yeah. Yeah, it's it was actually a Dodge or a Plymouth, but it was made by Mitsubishi oh, for okay. them. I can't remember the name of the one that it is. It's a little. It's just like this little tiny little thing. These are great little. Off, I mean, awesome. I, I, I see something like this, and I think you should either have it in Hawaii or some Asian island where you're 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 jetting around the jungle or trying to find some type of treasure, uh, like Romance in the Stone. Perfect for but, Thailand. <laughs> yes, perfect for Thailand. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah but with only sixty three horsepower and one point three liters, uh, you're not going to get to most of your off-road areas unless they are close by. Yeah. But super short wheelbase, really tiny. And these things actually do do really well off-road because of that high and low transfer case. Um, yeah. It's, it's just a cool car. It's just so cool. <laughs> I don't know what to say about a, a Samurai. I mean, they're tiny. It's a toy. It's, it's a car you buy as a toy. You get stuck. You just you literally pick it up and move it. Uh. Yeah, not great around town because <laughs> of the soft top and everybody breaks into everything here. Yeah. But other than that, these things were actually pretty reliable they're fantastic in the rocks like you don't need a lot if you've got low range so the suspension is good but like they say every every rocky trail is a chiropractic office <laughs> visit, so seven seven thousand bucks new in 1986 which is pretty good for 86 um i i, I can't say I, I i feel like this you would you'd want to modify this i mean and, oh yeah they're uh, cheap enough to do it still oh yeah absolutely and it's, it's just kind of a cool car especially this car, it's it's interesting because in the article they have the top on, and then when they take it off, it's such a different car when you have the just the roll bar exposed, and it's sort of again, it feels like you should be blasting through the jungle, you know, being hit in the face by uh, banana leaves and things like that. Yeah, so it's yeah. just a cute little car. I agree there is to it, and yeah. Uh, yeah, the millennials and Gen Xers love these things, but like like you said, it's cheap enough that you can buy it, and modify it. There's a lot of cars like you're looking at vintage Land Cruisers and stuff now, and there's like you want to keep them so clean because they're getting worth so much. Yeah, this thing is still a great little beater, and it'll get you into a lot of trails. I don't know the last time I've seen one on the road. Mm-mm. I've like, seen them modified and off road, but I've rarely seen them just yeah. driving around anymore. They're either totally beat up because they've been rolled yeah. and stuff like that, but yeah, still a cool car. This next one doesn't surprise me, but I'm not a fan uh, only because of the reliability factor. Yeah, the 2008 2012 Tesla Roadster Sport. Now I've been love the new one if it ever comes out. Excited to see that, but excuse me, these are kind of a nightmare to own. Uh, they get terrible range, and they when they need repairs, it's insane. And they brick very easily. Very easily, yeah. A single cell can cause a complete car failure with one of these. Uh, but if you are, I mean, it's definitely a future collector. There's no way around it. It's the first real electric sports well, car that wasn't garbage. keep it on garbage. the charger the whole time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm curious when we're going to start seeing aftermarket battery packs. Like, genuinely. Because well, uh, they're not going like to produce. like a swappable kind of thing? Well, these things, these are more swappable than other ones. So they just drop straight out the bottom. Yeah. And so... 56, what, 5,600 cells. And like you said, one one goes bad and you're done. Yeah, and they come yeah. out in like these blades as you pull them apart. It's yeah. a relatively serviceable design. I've got to give them some credit with that. And but Basically, if you don't know about this car, I mean, I don't know if they, they, they had a deal with... They're basically Lotus Evoras, right? Yeah. And then they and Tesla took them and totally made them uh, total electric. Um, I mean, I, I've never thought they were the, the neatest looking cars. I never thought they were the fastest looking cars. I mean, I get it, especially in today's day and age with trying to save, you know, the environment. Um, you know, with, with, with those of us that want the giant uh, Cadillacs, people like this want it. But um, 
it's just never been a car that I've, I've, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was still, it was one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in two thousand ten. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, lucky you you don't see them that much. There's one, in, there's one in my parents' building that I see all the time, and it's funny because I see it sitting there all the time and it's never charged. So I wonder if it's actually bricked. But if you do, and if you don't know, what I'm talking about with bricked. Basically, if you let these batteries go down to a point where it won't turn on you the car won't move at all no like you have to have it in it and it's a big issue yeah (laughs) yeah which which screws up the car and of course adding 800 pounds of weight to a lotus is never a good idea when the company's whole motto is (laughs) lightweight yeah keeping things light so these don't handle like you'd expect they rock it out of the hole like any electric car but yeah straight straight line you're great yeah Um, but i don't know i just don't it's never been my thing it's never even when they came out i never thought they were that impressive i mean they did do a little bit better a job on the interior than than uh, lotus did there's a lot more creature comforts but <laughs> right. other than that you know it's 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 a battery powered it's a battery powered lotus yeah. yeah these things have always sort of fallen into the same category for me as the i8 where it's like it's a ceo car it's what you buy if you've got a company or you just kind of want you something. know you're not you're not allowed to bring up the i8 after what you <laughs> went through you're not you're not allowed to talk about we that. never want to drive an i8 Post, again post-traumatic but, uh, stress syndrome yeah it's, it's because of microsoft people so yeah it's true <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the that was the bull market this year, though. Some good cars in there. I mean, I do. I think that you know, it, it's funny because I was trying to think of some other things in my mind of like cars that I think are going to start you know coming back around. I mean, I think you brought up a really good point with the Land Cruiser. I think. I mean, and this has always been something, and this has been on the list. I think some of those the vin- the original GTIs, the Volkswagen GTIs, are, are really going to start going up big time. Those have already come up a ton, and if you can get your hands on an early GTI, not a not a regular rabbit, but the the GTI itself with the plaid yeah. interior seats, or even if you don't have it, you because you, you know you can go to Northwest Crafted and have that redone and perfect. Mm-hmm. It'll be better than new because those seats actually kind of suck as far as like fit. But yeah, the old rabbit would be one I still really want. Yeah, especially with a like a Euro clip where you have the four headlights because we only got the two in the US. Mm-hmm. So you have the four round out of the Euro spec cabrio. Those are just. Anyway, I think I think spot. a lot of the older Volkswagens, like some of the really older Passats and Jettas, are going to be collectible. I think people oh, yeah. are going to start to really take those um, and, and from that the, that German market. So well, and Volkswagen had so many cool one-off special models that people have forgotten about the Trek Edition, the K2 Edition. Oh, I forgot about the K- yeah the Trek Edition and K2. I forgot about those. They have more than that. I mean, they have like there's Fender Edition cars which are just stereo upgrades, but like they had cool color packages and badges and just little things that set them apart. And I think those cars are going to come back into vogue too. I mean, they may not get the demand or the the, the premium price tag because they're such small trim changes, but it's still cool. I just remembered that's another reason why I love the Volvos is because when I was in in junior high and stuff like that and I was racing mountain bikes, Cannondale had a deal with Volvo and yeah. they would, and, they, and they would all all their whole team their whole mountain bike team would go around in Volvo station wagons, bright red ones, really cool. <laughs> Do so, you have a favorite on this list? Uh, the Cadillac. Cadillac. I mean, it's absolutely the yeah the, the Deville. I think it it would be the Cadillac or it'd be the Mercedes the the SL. I think um I just and I think. At this point, I'm 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 getting older, and I want I want a cruise car. I want something fun. I want Same something. Um, I you know I know the Cadillac. I would cruise from gas station to gas station, but I can I can think of nothing better than so getting in pretty. that car and driving along. Like you know, it would take you six years to get there, but uh, West or, uh, West Seattle, like along the water there, oh, so much fun in Alki. I think it would just be a fun little cruise. Um, yeah, I like it, big '60s cars as far as cruisers. I mean, I think that's the generation, like, I mean, when I think about, like I said, a 79 Charger in a heartbeat, I mean, obviously that comes from the... 69. Sorry, that too. Yeah. 69 Charger. I know what you meant. (laughs) uh, You know, the GTO, you know, the the Lincoln Continental. um, 
There's just something about those cars that's just something kind of fun. Continental always tops my list, specifically Nick Grios from Grios Garage. Yeah. Like, like there's there's oh. no nicer car. I don't think there's any nicer Lincoln, period, than no. his, even over Dax's. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. Well, Dax just needs to learn to keep his engines in. No. <laughs> Great, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. yeah. And, I, of course, for me, the nostalgia of the 968, just because that was my, my first Porsche was a 944, and that was always, like, the one I always wanted. But, again. I'm going to pretend like I know the difference between a 944 and a 968, so you're welcome. Have, I, <laughs> you know, they say 83% different parts between yeah. the 968 and the 944. Were they all under the skin where you couldn't tell? Yeah. No, you can tell looking at the car that's clearly different. <laughs> yeah. But it was one of those kind of, like, okay, yeah, but, like, changing the you know the seat cover and changing like it's very subtle a lot of the parts look it has mirrors off the 993 which are really pretty the turbo s mirrors yeah. which really change the look of the car pop-up headlights different tail lights i mean there's a lot of nice updates on the 968 that just make it kind of a, a good last send even though it's i would still consider it a facelift even though it's it's a totally different designation designation and it has again 83 percent different parts it's really it's a stretch, but for me, it's always been a facelift of a 944 because that's okay. really what it has at its soul. And it needs a turbo. Big yeah. time. It really does. You know, I, I want to I touch back on the GTO for a minute because they have a photo of the interior and it has the classic steering wheel on it. And I don't know if this one is wooden, but it brings me back the ideas of like the the, 60s, the, the GT500 and, the, and things like that. These, these older interiors and you've got the cue ball shifters that are just, you know, probably mm-hmm. either a Hurst shifter or something like that. But there's just such a classic feel to it you know i mean it'll kill you but it'll make it'll look pretty doing it (laughs) yeah i mean i I think right now if you wanted to get an original like shelby gt500 steering wheel it would probably cost you more than a new car like oh yeah able to find that like an original steering wheel like these parts alone are going to be tough to get but it's it's just cool it's just it's kind of a neat list it's you know i i there's some on here i didn't expect obviously with the dino um but uh it's it's a fun article like i said we will post it up on the uh uh the link inside the uh well, the link. <laughs> yeah, I'll post the link to the, the yeah. pages. As you read this, you can go to our, our webpage, RainCitySupercars.com. Don't forget to give us a like and a follow on Facebook or on Instagram. We're trying to update our content regularly there, and we post cool stuff like this. Yeah, we always post. Everything we do is cool. How dare you tell us <laughs> we're not. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take our next break. We'll be right back after this. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And welcome back. What's coming up? Um, something I am looking forward to because it's going to be fun, but it's also going to be bloody cold. Avance <laughs> is having their first uh, nighttime off-road event on the sixth. Is it the sixteenth? No, fifteenth. The fifteenth. Um, all those, all these people who have these great off-road vehicles, and we've seen them do great stuff, and they have all these lights. It's time to show off your lights. Uh, we will, of course, be there. We will have the tent. We will have the fireplace. I'm going to bring the real fireplace because we'll park Dan's truck in a different place so the ash doesn't get all over it. Uh, and we're going to bring both because it's going to yeah, be freaking cold. It's going to be cold. Yeah, we're going to bring plenty of wood. Uh, it's going to be fun. Um, I think 
if you have any, if you're an Avance member um, and you don't want to come out and do four wheeling, come out and have some fun. Come out, have a beer, uh, talk with us, uh, watch. We, we can we can sit in the dark and watch the lights bounce along the, the tree line. It'll be fun. Yeah, and that that starts. Remember, this is not this is a night session, so it starts at two p.m. and ends at seven p.m. There's a break between four to five. Come get a hot dog between four and five. Hang out with us. Come say hi. I'll cook during that time. Keep that in mind, folks. I will cook during that time. I'll try and extend it a little bit, but yeah, three hours in the cold cooking hot dogs is. Really cold. I'm not going to do that this time. Sorry. Well, you learned you your lesson quickly, yeah, didn't we're not you, doing boss? That yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm happy to share, and I will bring plenty of food, but mm-hmm. man, it, it got cold. <laughs> Coming up after that, we've got uh, Vaughn. I'm sorry I missed that. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was fun, yeah. but it was cold. Yeah. Uh, Vaughn's Portland Tech Session, Palatov Motorsports and Carbon Fiber Demo. That's going to be pretty cool. That's on the 16th for our Portland listeners. 19th is a good one. Vaughn's Ladies Tech Session at Stu's Self-Service Garage. Yes, ladies. Those of you who obviously know you can work on your cars, you can. Those of you who are nervous or don't feel like you're up to the task, go to this because you can. Absolutely. We're all capable of working on our cars. And I'm sure Mrs. Aquasox will be there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> don't let some guy who's mansplained you cars for it discourage you from doing it yourself. You can do all this stuff yourself better than we can, I'm sure. As yeah. many of our listeners and guests have proven. So, um, And there one. is, what, what, isn't there a, there's a, a private uh, car collection. I don't know if it's sold out yet. It comes out, I think, it, is it tomorrow? The ninth, January ninth. Oh yeah, that that is coming up the ninth. That is a private collection tour and fundraiser. We know that one, of course. That is he a just he just rearranged it, so it, yeah, it's going to look really great. But yeah, yeah. And then twenty um, second is the tech session at Totem Lake. So more tech sessions, lots of learning this time of year. So yeah, of course. Uh, we'll play and then and then there's a, another Avance Ladies uh, Griot's Garage private collection on January or February fifth. If you haven't been down there, again, we've talked about it before. Go down there. It's it's an inc- you don't realize what's behind the walls. <laughs> yes, what's hidden down there. So it's yes. really cool. And those guys, like, like you said, I love seeing there's more of these ladies events. I'm sure we have Chrissy to thank for that. But mm-hmm. uh, she yeah. is a lady, Dan. She is a lady. Do I need to explain. She's that a to great you? one. Yeah. If I if I explain it to you, is it still mansplaining? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So. Uh, if you haven't uh, picked up your latest uh, copy of the Avance magazine, great articles this this uh, this episode uh, issue. I should say not episode. Yeah, this so, issue. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about it's on this episode. Yeah, we're talking about on this episode about this the latest issue of the magazine. So yeah, well, we thought that'd kind of be fun. I saw that. I saw. It. Oh, look at that. You, oh, you're tired, crazy. man. I'm jet lagged. I'm jet lagged. Well, it, yeah. Well, it's two hour difference isn't a lot, except when you've lived it for three weeks. So. I've decided that if you travel again and I have to come pick you up at the airport, which I am glad to do, I'm bringing your car because That's sitting with a clutch in that traffic <laughs> sucked. Yeah. So, yeah. Raptor's very oddly economical. I thought about it too. I was like, I was like, I just could get his you truck. You just go get the truck. I had no idea how deep it would have taken. Well, the problem is that I would have dug it out first. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you would have been. Been, would have, yeah. <laughs> well, it would have. Yeah. It took me, like I said, about 30 minutes to do it today. It would have taken you longer at night. So. Yeah. Well, I just would have driven faster on the freeway. It would have been fine. It would have, <laughs> oh, come, yeah, off. Go wrong. It would have come off eventually. <laughs> the guy behind me. I was going to tell people. We didn't add that. And I, it was funny on that last episode. If you're somewhere and it snows, clear your car off before you get on the freeway. We've I've said this I've before. I've not been taken out by a piece of ice. I, if, it's funny because we, we recorded the last episode. Then I was out driving and somebody a, a piece of ice came off of the guy in front of me and about hit me. So... Yeah, I wasn't real happy. So I moved the truck from by the shop to the driveway in yeah. front where the hose is. And just moving it there, I intentionally hit the brakes really hard to dislodge some of the snow and kind of loosen it from the top. Yeah. In just that second, I took all the snow on, on the top and shoved it 
all over the windshield. And I was stopped, so it was fine. But it was just like Ugh. so dangerous for people not I'm to I'm more worried about that ice taking all that paint off the top of your roof. But yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Lots of ceramic coating on it, and it shows. Thank nice. God. Thanks, Grios. Oh, by the way, I've, I've got some products. Oh, that's right. I've got some new Grios products. shopping. You know, I, it's tough to go down and spend money at Grios. I mean, it's not tough to spend money. It's just <laughs> yeah. tough. It's tough to, there's so many good things. We, yeah, it's uh, tough to decide what to spend it on. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we've got all kinds of new stuff. We'll, 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 do, we'll talk a little bit more about it uh, in another episode, but. Uh, some really cool stuff coming out of Griot's right now, especially with the ceramic side. So, yes. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for this episode of Rain City Supercars. As always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. <laughs>